This is a podcast from Minute Media. Sox fans, here are the Bastards of Boston Baseball. Welcome everyone, the Bastards are back for this Thursday edition of the podcast. We are brought to you in part by the Minute Media Podcast Network. Red Sox just wrapped up a three-game set against the Tampa Bay Rays dropping the series two games to one. It is their third straight series loss. They are still, however, second place in the American League East. Still, it looks like in first place uh, for the American League wild card. Quick disclaimer, as always, for any first-time listeners, this is not a Homer podcast. We call it how we see it. When the Red Sox are dominating, we will celebrate that. When they are getting destroyed, we will be critical and at times savagely blunt. If you are easily offended, press the stop button immediately. But for those who embrace it, let's get rolling. I am Terry Cushman coming to you from Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, by way of Wyndham, Maine. You can find me on Twitter at CushmanMLB. You can find the podcast account at Bastards underscore Boston. Joining us tonight from the mile high city of Denver by way of Quincy, Massachusetts, Andrew Dwan. What's going on? Oh, another day in paradise. It was good seeing Bello Bayo come out there. You know, makes debut. Uh, looked pretty solid. The stuff looked good. I mean, didn't get the results he wanted, but just a little flash of uh, what's to come. Yeah, he's got his first Fenway thumping under his belt anyway, so he knows what that's going to be like uh, in the future. I think I heard Dave O'Brien say Pedro lost his first game. So, uh, Also joining us tonight from the nation's capital by way of Newport, Rhode Island, Job Goddard. How's it going, guys? It's good to be back on the midweek show. This is uh, where it started for me, so back, back to that grind. And uh, Andrew, first show that we've been together since last season. Hopefully we recapture a little bit of that magic. Yeah, the midweek one I usually has the luck. <laughs> That's what I like to hear because uh, it, it's time for some Red Sox luck. You guys don't get the Yankees series, though, again. I think that was like a midweek curse last year. The weekends kept getting it. So, Every single time. Yeah, I don't. I, it might flip at some point, but this first half of July, I know it's all uh, weekends for Yankees. All right. Uh, oh, and... Where can uh, they find you on Twitter, Andrew? That's going to be at Andrew Dwan MLB. Job? And they can find me at J-O-B-M-L-B. Okay, so uh, 
not a great series uh, all the way around. Uh, starting pitching, not great, including our ace, uh, Nick Pavetta. Got slapped around pretty good. Uh, offense, pretty anemic. Uh, we'll get into a lot of it. But the the series went just like this. Game one, Red Sox did win that one. Uh, four to nothing. Austin Davis got the start. However, uh, Cutter Crawford uh, pitched most of that game. Game two was an eight to four loss with the aforementioned Nick Pavetta. And then tonight in the finale, Red Sox dropped that one seven to one. Um, Brian Bale kind of gets knocked around in the, the four innings he pitched. So we will start on the duds side of it since it was a series loss. Uh, Andrew, I have you written into the leadoff spot, so go ahead. You're dud for the series. So mine was no one in particular, but it was one of the most prevalent things that was in the series, and you can figure that out by just going on Twitter and looking up Red Sox and the word shift, and that burned them over and over again, seemingly. I've never, you know, last year it seemed to every single time burn them, Earlier this year, it started to look finally good again, and it looked like it was worth doing. And this series, I can't, I lost count of how many just horrific zero velo shift hits there were. And it seemed, it, it really like killed him every single time. So I don't know if it's something you have to reconsider or just have to use less of, but right now they need something to, you know, go right for them when it comes to it. And I think they might just have, should might need to shelve it just for, just for a little bit. Um, maybe only do it in the most obvious situations. I mean, I do think shifting has gone a little extreme. Um, and that's not just with the Red Sox. It's with pretty much every team in the league. And obviously that's been a big focal point of the off seasons. So yeah, uh, if they stopped or stopped overly shifting, over shifting, uh, wouldn't be mad to see that. Joe tough not to agree with that um, in game three in particular early it burned Bayo you could see his obvious frustration when Story tried to race to the bag at second realized he couldn't get uh, G-Man Choi at second uh, and flip to first or rather couldn't get the runner at second and flip to get G-Man Choi at first only for Franchi Cordero to come off the bag the defense has been a little bit sloppy Overshifting has been, I think, the cause of that. I hate shifting with a rookie pitcher in general. I think with two middle infielders like Story and like Xander, you shouldn't have to shift. So I, I agree with Andrew. Maybe shelve it for the time being. I don't have a ton to add to that. Um, it just sucks when you try to come up with creative reasons to beat yourself and um you know it doesn't hurt to be a little conventional so um we'll see it i mean next year we might not have any shift at all so i uh kind of have mixed feelings on that but um is what it is uh joe go ahead you're dud for the series uh, my dud for the series is Bobby Dahlbeck. I know he only appeared in two games with Franchi getting the start tonight, but 
but he went one for three in game one, one for four in game two, four strikeouts combined in those efforts. And if you include the last game in Chicago, he's now got seven strikeouts in his last 12 plate appearances. That's the Bobby Dahlbeck of April 2021. And he doesn't help this team when with those numbers. If he can't start to hit for contact, I think it's time to see Franchi Cordero more often. I know he didn't play a great defensive first base today, but he did rope a double that would have scored a run if he didn't get up into the seats. He puts a better swing on the ball. He's got better plate discipline. Bobby Dahlbeck needs to step it up. Yeah, you know, Dahlbeck somehow is – his numbers actually haven't been horrendous lately over the last 30 games. He's up to, you know, he's in 263 over his last 15, 265, which is a lot better than I would have uh, guessed from just watching the games. Um, but uh, like I said in the last episode, the Tristan Cassis injury continue, continues to, you know, impact this team because I guarantee that if – Cassis was doing just what was expected of him, um, even no more than that, and didn't get hurt. He'd be up in Boston. Bobby would be continuing development down in uh, Worcester. So, unfortunately, I think it's a lost year for Tristan. Um, I do think that the Red Sox will get a right-handed bat uh, unless they decide that Christian Arroyo should get some reps at first again, Uh, maybe – do a little gully stretching first this time, but um, yeah, uh, Dahlbeck, his confidence is lost. I mean, when he's swinging, he's not really swinging hard where, you know, you're like, all right, yeah, if he connects, he's in at 450. He looks like he's cutting down a little bit on there. It's not really helping. Um, he had that stretch where he got into that better two-strike approach, but that seems to have gone. I, he needs a reset. I don't think he's a lost cause. I just think he needs uh, he needs some time. Like, send him to Worcester. Don't even play him for a week. But, again, that requires another body coming in or getting moved over. I mean, would you guys agree that he's almost certainly a platoon guy at this point? I think yeah. it made that very clear. Yeah, you play the splits. And I, I, you know, and if he's going right, then you have a great left-right situation. But it's just not that right now. Well, j- just to be clear, I, I kind of meant going forward for his career. I mean, isn't that what he kind of projects out to be at this point? Or is it too early? I think it's still too early. I mean, he's only in his second year right now. I, you know, I, I think people see him as more of a player with a lot more experience under his belt. I don't, again, I think if you hard reset him, I wouldn't be shocked if he came out next spring training, wherever he is and, you know, won a job somewhere. Well, he was a stud this year in spring training and his strikeout numbers were low. And I, um, I really thought we were going to get a continuation of the second half last year, or at least to some degree, I guess it would have been hard to, to replicate those numbers because he was off the charts in August and September. But um, I just, I'm a, I'm a pessimist on Bobby and he's a likable guy and I root for him, but he's just not getting there. And I think he's basically exclusively in the last probably five, six weeks faced 
nothing but lefties uh, for the most part. So it's hard to not be discouraged. Well, Terry, he's 28 years old next spring training That's as well. It's not like he's true. 23, 24. So I think you're right. I think at this point in his career moving forward, he's going to be strictly a platoon hitter. And for comparison, Devers is, I think, about to turn 26. And he's like a third of the way through a Hall of Fame career at this point. It just uh, That just shows you what different solar systems these guys are in right now. It's just insane. Um, all right. So my dud for the series is going to be Hirakazu Sawamura, who pitched tonight. It was uh, The game was out of hand by the time he came in, so it's not like he, you know, he blew it. But it, it was an ugly line, and the ugliest of any of the relief guys. Uh, only one inning pitched, but he gave up one hit, allowed two earned runs, walked four guys, struck out one, and he's really lucky. Hansel Robles was DFA'd last night because maybe if Bloom was in a different kind of mood, who knows who would have got the axe tonight. Probably still Robles, but uh, it was not a good outing for Salamora. And I know he had a good run since early June, but it's always temporary. And he's not a guy I'm going to have a, a ton of confidence in, uh, you know, throughout the season. And the thing that bothers me is I feel like Alex Cora has tons of confidence in him and thinks he is a high leverage late inning guy. So he was my dud uh, for this series. Uh, Andrew, go ahead. Well, I, I, I got to disagree with that last part there. He hasn't been in many high leverage situations lately. It seems like he's the they're up five or down five kind of guy right now. Um, just when he's coming to the game, just looking it over. I just, I don't think I don't know if he's long for this team. The one thing he's got going is that he's a righty, um, and they don't have a lot of those. And you know, I think we're gonna. I don't know if we'll see a move tonight. Um, I don't know if. Bayo is going to continue to be with this team. This could be outdated information by the time it's dropped. I mean, they got guys like uh, Zach Kelly that could come up. Um, there are some options that I think we're going to start seeing coming out of AAA and AA uh, as guys get healthier and guys start getting uh, more innings under their belt in terms of experience. But, yeah, um, Sarmar didn't have it today. First time he let up runs in the last, I think, six appearances, which is a pretty good stretch for him. But again, I, you know, they're not exactly throwing him in the eighth inning in one running run run games, but and he doesn't deserve to be. But I I feel like he's coming in 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 close games though, at various points when you might rather see a guy like Diekman or Strom come in. I know they're both lefties, but I'm I've got his game logs up right now, but I it just. It, I just feel like I'm uncomfortable a lot of the time when, when Sal Moore does come in. I mean, he was in a, just a, well, it was a five to six loss uh, on July 1st. 
Um, and then a six to two win. I mean, the last few series here, he's he's seven to two loss, eleven to two loss, ten to one win. Those were wide. I mean, we got a you know three to four loss, five starts ago, and then yeah, he's had what five? Well, he had four scoreless, um, four scoreless outings going into this one, but then he gave up two runs, uh, only one of them charged to him uh, in the Cardinal series. And then two games before that, you know, a run against the Angels and so on and so forth. But no, yeah, I'm not arguing that he's been good. I just, I, I just don't, Ellie, I, I think he will eventually be off this team. I think we're going to start seeing them once this 40, 40 man and 26 man Shuffle really starts once Sale comes back and, you know, Whitlock comes back. I mean, there's your righty. Corsay is going to use him for two games, then rest him, or for two innings and rest him two days, three innings, rest him for three days, and so on and so forth. Uh, that was his plan earlier. So, I don't know. I think we'll start seeing some defined roles and uh, better pitchers going out of the pen. Joe, thoughts on Salamore? Yeah, the thing with Salimura is has always been the walks, right? And we, we talk about this almost every time we mention him on the show. His splitter when he's throwing it for strikes, dominant. 95, bottom of the zone, when it bottoms out. Hitters don't chase that anymore because he can't throw it for a strike. It's always down below the knees or in the dirt, and now they know. And they sit on the changeup, and they either hit the ball hard or they walk. Now, four walks uh, tonight was the total. Game was already over, so I'm not going to bash him too much. But again, Andrew mentioned, I don't think he's long for this team either. I think the last high-leverage game he was in, Terry, that I really remember being high-leverage was the game that I was at at Camden Yards in Baltimore where he threw the ball away when he could have had a double play at third base um, in extra innings in May. That was probably the last time I remember him being in a high leverage game. So I don't know necessarily that Cora trusts him so much as he needs a righty. And when he needs a righty, we're very, very thin in that spot. And with the splitter, he does have the potential, though he hasn't really executed it yet, to get a double play. We haven't really seen it since the first half of last year. Trying to get this whip real quick. Yeah, he's got a 122 whip, you know, semi-high, but not you know, ridiculous. I just, it's just, it's uncomfortable when he comes in and I feel like the game can go the wrong way really quick. And he, he had a hard time getting three outs. If one of Zach Kelly, Frank German, or um, Eduardo Bizardo don't take his spot in the next two weeks, uh, that might be the most shocking thing. Uh, I, I think they'll use I mean, he's got options. I think they'll use him. I, I just don't – I don't foresee a situation where he's on this team um, past the all-star break almost. You're interesting. Interesting you mentioned that. I think Bizarro is the guy that they'll reach to first, if I had to guess. I know Zach Kelly's also a possibility, but we have seen Bizarro before. Cora's familiar with him. The minor league pitching staff in general has been fantastic. We'll get to that. Um I really agree with you, Andrew. I don't think after the All-Star break we'll see him in any big spots, and I don't think we'll see him in his upcoming series against the Yankees. 
Yes. Uh, all right. Let's get through the um, dishonorable mentions. Uh, Xander Bogarts was one for seven. He did have a, a home run. In... And that throw today was horrendous. That uh, throw. Terrible. I don't know what the hell that was. That was that was embarrassing. And he he's had non-competitive bats again. He didn't really have a chance to get him with that throw. Granted, like G-Man Choi was home. But what a terrible decision by Xander to even let the ball go. Yeah, he, he just – he didn't have a great second half last year. I highlighted it on the midweek show. I think he was hitting around 255, hit eight home runs, only 28 runs driven in. That was after the All-Star game. So not super robust, and, I mean, he, he's looking like it, it could be – as bad or worse this year. I mean, we still got, we still got three months to go and, you know, two and a half after the all-star break, but he's not, he's not pit. Uh, he's not hitting like a, a guy that wants to get that, that big contract that Scott Boris seems to think he's going to get. So, uh, also, uh, Alex Verdugo, just one for seven, Franchi Cordero, two for 11 in the series. And uh, and then as far as pitching went, uh, Nick Pavetta, worst outing since probably April. The, the thing about Pavetta, I, I've pointed this out fairly recently, is his pitching line is always somewhat wonky. He's either giving up a lot of hits but not a lot of runs, or his walks are up but not a lot of runs that game. Um, and then every so often he'll just go nuts and punch out nine, 10, 10 batters. I think he's had as many as 11 actually at one point this year. And, but typically, typically runs don't score and he gets away with it. This time he did not get away with it and got slapped around. His line was five and two thirds innings, uh, eight hits, seven earned runs, uh, two walks and only four strikeouts. So not great from Pavetta. Thoughts on uh, anyone? Well, you're going to run into those nights eventually uh, from any pitcher. Nick Pavetta has been so good that it's tough to really get on him for one bad outing. I think he might be trying to do too much. He looks around him and he's like, well, the rest of this rotation is, basically falling apart from a health standpoint. I'm going to go out there every fifth day and I have to carry this team. And and sometimes you press a little too hard and you get hit. You're going to get hit eventually. But he's been really good and I find it hard to say anything negative about him after one bad outing. For Dugo, I thought, you know, I know you read his numbers out. was not, They were not impressive. He actually had some great swings on the ball, especially tonight in game three. They just happened to land in the right fielder's glove. Yeah, pretty much agree with everything you just said there, um, especially with Pavetta. Um, everyone's going to have this kind of outing, you know. He's been so damn good. And he knew from the jump, actually, the other day when they just kept comparing him to Pedro and what Pedro was doing. And, yeah, they, they got a little uh, little over the top in the broadcast there before he took the, took the mound, uh, what was that, Monday night or Tuesday night? 
I guess one of my bigger concerns with Pavetta, and perhaps this could have been a factor, is he's pitched exactly 100 and one-third innings. That is tied for eighth most in MLB. He could be a little bit taxed. If we were playing better and... You know, we may disagree that our backs are against the wall. I certainly think they are at this point. But it would be great if they could skip him a start just to get him a little bit of rest. But I'm a little bit worried about the uh, the innings count. He's He is on pace for 200 this year. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's going to get a break here. He's not going to go to the All-Star game, so should only have, let's say, the fifth, only have two more starts left in him. And then, you know, God willing, Waka is fine. And, you know, Chris Sale's back. They can afford to start, you know, messing around with the six-day, uh, you know, rotation, push a guy back once or twice. And I think they'll be able to manage his innings somewhat efficiently going forward. I agree. I think they're going to carry an extra arm here as we move towards the deadline. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how they do that, whether they keep Crawford up or perhaps Bayo gets another look. If I'm not mistaken, let's see. Yeah, Bayo would, if he doesn't get optioned after tonight, I should probably even check my Twitter feed, but uh, he would he would pitch against Tampa again next week, which could possibly mean seven lefties again, But um, but we'll see. You know, anything can happen between now and next week as far as injuries or availability and whatnot. Uh, one other gripe, I it's kind of a continuation from the last show for me. Alex Cora continues to aggressively rest guys. I get why Devers was sitting out, and I get why Bogarts was out the first game. They're, they're both a little bit dinged up. But if you're going to sit Devers in game two, you shouldn't be sitting one of your hotter guys in Alex Verdugo. I I wouldn't give them both a, a day off. Wait till Devers comes back. But we didn't. We, I guess well, we did put up four runs that game. We lost it eight to four. But I just feel like we're gonna rest ourselves <laughs> into a bad spot come September. I think it's a tough scenario right now because you're in the midst of the start of a big swing against the division. And Terry, I don't have the numbers against the division in front of me, but they're not good. And I don't think that we've won a series inside the division. Oh, for eight. Oh, for eight. There we go. So you're aggressively resting guys early in this swing. I think we've got what 14 of the next 17 are against the division, something like that. So as long as it pays off here in the next two weeks, I'm okay with it. If all of a sudden we drop the next two series, then it looks really, really bad. I mean, I think he did it then because I don't think he's going to – I think every guy is going to be going every single day until the, you know, was the break the 19th. So, I, I yeah, I think they was getting it out of the way because, I mean, they've had a lot of travel and they haven't had many days off in between. So, I yeah, I don't really mind the rest whatsoever. I would like it if it wasn't against the division, but that's kind of where I'll leave it. They I mean, yeah, it's had no choice. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah. I, I complained about it this weekend when we had Martinez and I can't remember who the second key guy, Martinez and Story, I think, sat in the same game. 
And but we thought, okay, well, all hands on deck once the Tampa series comes. And guess what? And our we did other than the playoff win, which was obviously key. We're we're o five and one against Tampa in the last six regular uh, series matchups. So that just speaks to the fact that they've had our number. And I just I would rather see everyone healthy in, in the order that's able to play. So uh, I think that about covers it. Uh, are we gonna miss Robles? No thanks. No. Um, it's a minor league deal, not necessarily something that we did not see coming. Anyone who heralded him as the savior of the bullpen or oh he was a good arm. The Red Sox knew that he was done or not necessarily a big league piece this offseason when they re-signed him to a minor league deal. This was an addition that was supposed to give you depth. He gave you some innings, didn't work out, move on. I I think it was was a minor league deal because he wasn't going to be able to get over season time. That's also a possibility. It was definitely a minor league deal, yeah. Yeah, it was, yeah, because he was stuck. He couldn't get his visa. Right. So they couldn't use them, you know, on the roster. So, that, no. but I, I think that there's a certain level of it that you signed him to a minor league deal. You were hoping he was going to be the guy that you traded for at the all-star break of last season. You knew there was a chance this was going to happen. And it makes sense to move on from him for a, a starting pitcher, especially when some of your younger arms are coming in and, and they've been effective in filling in here. And he was great last year. I mean, he was a huge reason for the bullpen holding up down the stretch. And, you know, honestly, if you look back at it, a really good trade, they gave up essentially nothing. They paid him pennies. So this is the kind of risk of an arm you should be taking. And, yeah, you do it 10 times out of 10 times um, if there's another guy like that that's ever available. Because, you know, if – you can find 98 on the open market. You got to take a swing at it. Before we do uh, switch over to studs, I guess, um, who do we want to pitch five games from now or five days from now, whatever it is? Do we want that to be Chris Sale or do we want to see Bayo one more time? I think we'll see Bayo again at some point this season. I don't think he'll face the same team twice in a row. That seems detrimental to his confidence, especially given the results tonight. I would like to see Chris Sale. I think it'll probably be in a three-inning capacity if so. So I'm undecided at the moment. Oh, It's Sale for me 100%. I mean, he talked about what went wrong tonight in terms of location, and he was yanking it first base side. So you figure that out. All I cared about was velocity and secondary offerings. His changeup was hitting 82. He was hitting 97. And if he can do that for 80, 90 pitches, you are pretty happy about that, especially if you can pair him up if a Whitlock is, you know, if he's back. You know, if you get five innings out of sale and two or three out of Whitlock, you're looking pretty good if you got the lead. Yeah, he he averaged I guess ninety four to ninety five tonight. 
Um, so not quite what it used to be, but I, I, I'm not expecting him, quite frankly, to be what he used to be. Um, I would go with Sale as well, just because you know you're going to get stacked with lefties again against Bayo, and perhaps that's not the best situation for him. Uh, Sale did pitch twice last year in his abbreviated season. His first game was on August 14th, but he faced the Rays on September 1st, and then again in his next start on September 6th, went six innings in the first one, gave up six hits, only two earned runs, only struck out three, and then his next start was a little bit wonky. Only lasted three and two-thirds innings. Gave up ten hits, but only one earned run. Oh, actually, five runs were given up, so there were probably some errors. But only one of those five was charged to sale. He walked one, struck out uh, six was, in that game. So Was that the three-run error by uh, Verdugo or something like that? I believe I so. That was the, yeah, the I remember I was driving back from a it. wedding when that happened. I was like, God. Okay. <laughs> Um, yeah, so he, uh, he got his pitch count up pretty high, most likely, uh, as far as, uh, only pitching three innings, I think he pitched 70 something pitches, uh, tonight. So if he's on, that tells me probably a five inning outing could, could be likely. Um, but if he can't, if he can't get guys out and he's pitching deep into counts, then, you know, that's probably how you would get a three inning, uh, outing with him. Well, I think there's another candidate for five days from now, but I think we'll get to it during the stud section. Oh, will we? Okay. All right. Uh, Well, uh, I think that's all we had anyway, so let's go ahead and transition to that side of it. Uh, Andrew, who do you have? Uh, Mine's Austin Davis, who continues to be a huge part of this team. He gave them a great uh, opening role performance the other day, and the lone win they had – Probably could have gone three. Uh, they only asked him to go two, which I was actually a little surprised about, but got the job done. Um, then also pitched tonight, pitched fine. He continues to be one of those guys that is just reliable as you can ask for. And I, I've been pitching his name as a dark horse trade candidate just for when all the guys get healthy and back. Um I don't see how you can. I mean, I know, but (laughs) is this the best version of Austin Davis you'll ever get? And should you strike while the iron's hot? Because I do think that the Red Sox will be one of just a few teams that are giving me a pretty unique position where they are buyers and sellers because they're going to have a lot of pitching depth and they're going to have to figure out what to do with it. So I don't know. I don't know if they see – Deepman as, you know, the guy to the lefty. I mean, out of nowhere, Darwinson showed up the other day. And I think, like, struck out the side in Worcester. I don't think anyone knew he was coming back. Um, I don't know. I just – I think the arms that are on this team are going to be pretty abundant going forward. And I do think they'll have to make a tough call even, even after, you know, cutting – or trimming the fat like sour more off the team. It, it's tough to say whether or not Davis is either going to take a bigger role or be moved on, but he was great in game one of this series. He was great again. 
in his second appearance. Some numbers kind of to illustrate how good he's been of late. In his last seven appearances, he's thrown nine in the third innings. He's given up five hits, four runs, four walks, which is a little bit concerning. Struck out 11 for an 0-96 whip. His last 15, if you want to go back that far, 17 innings pitched, 11 hits, still only four runs allowed, nine walks, 18 strikeouts in 17 innings. So he really has become one of those guys that you can rely on to give you a clean inning. I still hate him when there are runners on base. I don't like him coming in with runners on base because he walks too many guys, but he's given you some really solid outings uh, in the last couple of days. Quite frankly, I'm surprised we don't see him in in some high leverage spots and maybe we'll get closer to it if if Strom continues to look vulnerable. I'm cautiously optimistic he'll figure it out anyway, but he would be a guy I would trust going into a late inning and I'd probably honestly trust him more than Deekman. If we're going to do a sneaky trade or whatever, I'd rather keep Davis and trade Diekman, but Diekman's making $4 million a year for this year and next year, and he's got, a, I think, an option for a third year. So I don't love his contract at this point, despite the fact he hasn't been terrible. But if anyone's prone to walks, it's I think it's more Diekman than anybody, of, of any of the lefties we have anyway. So Davis has just continued to be one of those steady guys and I'd like to I'd like to see him in in more high leverage. I agree with that. I think there's a decent chance that if they do move on from him that Davis gets moved for a right-handed reliever, someone who has maybe a little bit more upside because you get higher value trade in a trade, you know, when you're giving up the lefty. Uh, but I I think it might be a straight lefty-righty reliever swap. That's a possibility. And I mean, we're, we are kind of thin now on righties now that uh, Robles has been DFA'd. Barnes is who knows where. I guess he is throwing bullpens or, or something or pitching simulated games, something like that. But, um, but we only really have two quality guys off the top of my head, and that's Hauk and Schreiber. And well, don't, let's not forget about Gary Whitlock, too. Oh well, true. Yeah, he'll uh, yeah. he'll be back here shortly. I think that solves a ton of problems though, because you get Whitlock in the ninth, Hauk in the eighth, and then you've got three decent guys to to pitch the seventh. You got Schreiber, Strom, and and, and Diekman. So I don't think we're gonna we're gonna see a ton of uh, Diekman or Strom necessarily, especially with um, you know with with Schreiber in his emergence, but if any of those lefties are hot and the the eighth inning happens to be a lefty heavy inning, then obviously that's, that's when you're going to see those guys. But uh, let's see, where are we at? Uh, Job, go ahead. You're stud for the series. Well, I teased this a little bit, uh, but I, I think my stud for the series has to be Cutter Crawford. And anyone who watched game one doesn't need a refresher, but I'm going to give it to you anyway. He went five and a third, two hits, no runs, one walk, and struck out eight in relief of Austin Davis. He got the third inning. Um, 
I, like Andrew, thought that Davis was going to go one more. I was very nervous with Cutter Crawford coming in. He's been kind of a back-and-forth roller coaster this season. If you were to cut out the one start or relief appearance, rather, that he made in Detroit, where he gave up, like, nine earned runs, his ERA would actually be somewhat manageable. But even without that, I'm going to look at his last seven games here, give you guys kind of a taste of what I'm looking at here. He's got a three earned run average in his last seven games. Those two starts, seven appearances, 21 innings, 14 hits, seven runs, seven walks, 26 strikeouts for a one whip flat. He got knocked around against St. Louis the last time out. Before that against Seattle, five innings, one hit, four walks, seven Ks. So it's like every other appearance that we see from Cutter Crawford is absolute dominance. And I don't know why sometimes he's on, sometimes he's not. I can't pinpoint a single pitch that when it's not located, he's getting hit or maybe he's tipping. Something is going on where every other outing or every third outing, the opposing team is just ready. But I'm very, very impressed with what I'm seeing from Cutter Crawford. And I would push for him to get the start five days from now if Chris Sale's not ready. Yeah, the thing about Crawford, um, showing our Red Sox stats on Twitter, he uh, pointed out that Crawford had only thrown nine, or 11% of curveballs in the majors, never more than seven in an outing. And the other day, he threw 20 of them. Uh, coming in at about 25% of his pitches for the game. The Rays went one for seven with two Ks. So if he's figured that out, he's no longer just a, you know, a two-pitch guy. If he's got a curveball to add to that repertoire, you have another multi-inning reliever. Um, I don't quite want him starting. I think he's better off going three, four innings, uh, kind of in that role, three, four innings max. I, I don't know. I thought going into the year after seeing the spring training, he might be able to do the Whitlock role that we had last year where, you know, you got your four inning start and three innings out of reliever X. And if he continues to show sharpness with that, I don't know how the bodies again, add up. They're going to have a shuffle coming up here. Um, But to me, he's earned that role to go a few innings when they need a high leverage situation. He did have a pretty solid outing against the Yankees in the one series we played, which I was the opening series of the year, um, and then struck out uh, three of them in two innings. So, and it was the heart of the order too, I believe, right? I Wasn't think so. it so? Yeah. and TJ? Yeah. yeah, I think so. And so he could get some usage this series, which would uh, jeopardize a potential spot start or, you know, a a long relief uh, appearance following whoever opens, whether it's Davis again. But I I do think, I don't think he's going anywhere, though, in the next week or so. Uh, Yeah, so, and then as Joe was saying, we're, we're getting pretty decent luck out of those minor league guys. And we'll, we'll talk about Winkowski coming up because I think he pitches game one of the series. Yeah, he does uh, against Garrett Cole actually, but it's, it's good that we have that depth. We just need the team to start hitting again and start, you know, firing on all cylinders. Uh, My stud for the series, Jaron Duran, 
Uh, was three for 11 in the series, had an extra base hit uh, today. I believe he did as well in game two. His offense has, has definitely uh, been impressive. Let's see where he's at. Yes, still hitting uh, 325 with a 900 OPS right now. And the thing that continues to impress me, the last few series, he is looking more and more comfortable in the outfield. You're, you're seeing less hesitation. His roots look a little bit better. I forget which game it was in the series. It might have been game one. He had to run a long ways. He was kind of shifted towards like right center, and he had to run back past the triangle to, uh, you know, almost where the monster starts and was able to run down a, a fly ball over there. And it was a it, not the easiest ball to get to, but he did it. It looked very routine, like, like you would expect from perhaps an above average center fielder. And I think the repetitions are helping. I think he's getting more and more adequate out there. He's never going to have an arm. So I guess that's always going to be a concern, but there's not much to dislike about what he's given us the last few weeks. Yeah. He's been a spark plug and I don't want to bet heart back on Toronto. I mean, we saw what happened when he wasn't in the lineup. They looked flat. So if he can continue this on a semi-regular basis, I mean, he's not, I don't I want to say he's not going back down. Um, they're going to have to figure out a place to, to play him because I don't know if Kike is a right fielder. I mean, he was arguably the best center fielder in baseball last year defensively. Um, but you don't want Duran playing right field. I don't know. They're going to have some interesting uh, situations coming up. But as far as setting tone at the top of the lineup, uh, it's been extremely refreshing to see. He's becoming more patient at the plate, which I think is huge. It doesn't seem like he's trying to crush the ball every at bat. Um, so, yeah, I just a few more bunts, you know, the other way. It's all I'm asking for. Uh, just keep them honest on defense. But, yeah, I love what I've seen so far out of Duran. How can you not? His approach at the plate is refreshing. He takes a lot of pitches. Every time he gets on base, I feel like the opposing pitcher speeds up and lays something right over the middle. And it hasn't quite led to Devers, or in this case in this series, Vasquez hitting the ball hard. But I, I always feel like there's that possibility. Like it's only it, – it's about to happen. When that dam breaks, it's going to be great. I want to bring in a, some numbers up because, Terry, you mentioned – that the last couple of weeks he's been great. Last couple of weeks he's got 60 at-bats. He scored nine runs, 21 hits, the one home run. He's walked five times, and he's struck out five times. Those are fantastic splits. That's good for 350, 400 OBP. His slugging is only 567. We don't expect him to slug that much. I'm extremely impressed with Duran. I think he's here to stay. And now I know he's slumped enough where we've sent him back down to four. But if you look at the numbers now for his major league career, 184 total at-bats. He's hitting 261, three homers, 16 RBIs, seven steals, and an OPS above 700. 
I think we would take that. Like the entire crew of the show, all five of us, I think, would agree that if he can hit 261 with what he does on the base paths, that's a viable option in center. Whether or not he stays in center when Kike comes back, I don't know. I think he probably moves to left. He probably move Verdugo to right as much as Verdugo is a defensive liability in right. He's no Jackie Bradley Jr. It does keep Jackie out of the lineup, which is a win in my column. Verdugo's average, maybe a little bit below average in right, but I think Durant could play the monster in left. And uh, if Kike can have another gold glove caliber second half, we should be in good shape. I think Verdugo has the best arm of any of the outfielders we do have. Kike's isn't terrible, but I wouldn't say it's a cannon. Um, so, I mean, I've long thought Verdugo would be better and right. The numbers say that he's kind of a a slight disadvantage in right. I'm sure Andrew could find those for you faster than I could, but I believe he had negative seven runs saved defensively in right field last season, and he's about even to plus one in left field. That being said, I want his bat in the lineup 10 times out of 10 over Jackie Bradley Jr., so I'd be willing to make that defensive sacrifice. Andrew, any thoughts? I got... No, I just don't have Cora having to, you know figure this out once everyone's back and healthy because it's going to be a pain to keep everyone happy. Let's, let's bring up this, I guess when Kike comes back, he's an everyday guy again, most likely. I think you have to keep Duran in the lineup. Like we all just kind of said, who do you, who do you cut? I mean, for me, it, it has to be Bradley at this point. I'm keeping Ref Snyder over Jackie Bradley because we're so lefty heavy anyway. Uh, that's what I would do. I would. Uh, I mean, they could always option Dahl back down. And then Christian Arroyo can try to play first. Uh, hell, I don't even know. <laughs> yeah, it gets weird. I don't know. Say Jaron Duran, you want to be the fastest first baseman in Major League history? <laughs> I guess, yeah. I, they, I, like I said, it's going to be a weird situation. I don't think they can have Duran's defense in their late in innings. And that's where Bradley comes in. I I don't think they trust Jaron Duran in the outfield, quite frankly. I don't. I, I'm comfortable I, I don't with think him. they do either. I'm comfortable with him in center based on what I've seen. I'm not not comfortable, if that makes sense. But I, I think that is the void that Jackie Bradley Jr. is there to fill. I think they knew they wanted to try Jaron Duran out. The more that I see this kid play, the more I think that's why they let go of Renfro. They brought in a defensive center fielder. I just don't know that I'm I'm okay with the alignment. If you send down Jackie Bradley Jr. and in the ninth inning you need a Big defensive play. We know what he can do. I think, unfortunately, Christian Arroyo might be the the odd man out as far as playing time goes or Rob Refsnyder. I think Arroyo would be safe. I mean, who's your utility infielder? The issue is Arroyo's health, right? I think that's why Rob Refsnyder might be the guy there because Arroyo 
you don't know if he can play. Uh, At any given time, he can go down for two weeks. I mean, he is injury prone, but there hasn't really been a problem with that this year. And I just think he's too good. I mean, I think of all the bench guys, he's probably the best hitter. He's a better hitter than Bradley, in my opinion. I mean, he's your only backup shortstop, too. Yeah, you can't you can't get rid of him. I don't think. So then Rob Ressnyder is probably your odd man out. I think you need the righty bat. You're just so lefty heavy. I think if if Bobby Dahlbeck was hitting, then you could probably justify moving somebody else down as a lefty. But because he's not, you can go lefty heavy. We don't have a righty that can be consistent either way. Well, I mean, we'll see. So, all right, let's get into this Yankees series uh, game one. We have Josh Winkowski versus Garrett Cole. How do you guys, uh, Andrew, how do you have that one? I mean, that's a very tall task to ask Winkowski to go out and <laughs> beat Garrett Cole. So just based off that and with Xander and JD scuffling to the levels of which they are right now, um, I I have to go Garrett Cole. I also have to go Garrett Cole, and that pains me. But uh, this Red Sox team is banged up, and this Yankees team is well on their way to 110 wins. I just don't know that we can stop them against their ace. I'm also going to pick the Yankees in game one. I don't... I don't believe it's going to be because of Winkowski, though. I just I don't like where we're hitting. I don't think the Red Sox are suddenly going to kickstart their momentum against a guy like Garrett Cole. So, unfortunately, I, I do think the Yankees will win. I'll say this. I think Josh Winkowski has the personality for Boston, though. Like his comments after Wrigley, they're like, yeah, so what, how'd you feel about pitching in this historic stadium? And he's like, he's like, well, it was kind of underwhelming. You know, I didn't, I didn't really see what the hype was all about. I, kinda, I loved that too, Terry. kind of ad-libbed there a little bit, but uh, he basically gave Wrigley a two-star review. And I think it, it takes balls to to just come out and say something like that. And I, it seems more and more like he's got that gritty personality and, and that's what you need. That's what you want to see. If, if you think he's potentially going to be pitching in a very hostile Yankee stadium playoff game in October, like that's a guy who sounds like he can probably handle it. So I think Winkowski could very much rise to the occasion. I just don't like where our offense is right now. I'm kind of splitting between the the schedules here. Crap. Well, they don't know Friday yet because it all depends on Michael Walker and how he's feeling. Oh, he's not on the uh, injured list? I thought he was. No, on. he was scratched for the dead arm, but he could be good to go. Really? I just, wow, it usually takes a couple of weeks for that to work itself out. He is listed on uh, ESPN, but whoever we're going to have, well, who would pick? pitch in, in place of him it would be a spot start i would think right 
Yeah, it would probably be a bullpen day. Yeah, so it could be a Davis, uh, Crawford, um, yeah, a combination of them. The bad news is is that we're going up against Nestor Cortez, who actually his ERA is down to um, two forty four. How has he looked recently? Yeah, he got tuned up on. Uh, let's see, June 21st mm-hmm. against the Tampa Bay Rays for four runs, gave up three against Houston and the start after that, but did look good against Cleveland uh, over the weekend, only giving up one earned run uh, over six innings. So he has, he's got one of those funky deliveries. He likes to pause at the beginning of it to kind of screw up your timing. So it's, I hope we, I hope we murder his ERA this weekend. I hope so. I'm actually, I'm going to go on record here. I'm, I'm more confident that the Red Sox and Red Sox fans can make a dent in Garrett Cole than they can in Nestor Cortez Jr. I think Nestor Cortez Jr. has a chance at the Cy Young this year. The way that he's pitching, the way the Yankees are winning, he doesn't walk anyone. I think his last three starts, he's got two walks combined. It makes me really nervous going up against him, especially if Devers is not 100% because you need your lefties in the lineup against this guy. He gets a lot of double plays. I think we're going to drop game two. Yeah, I mean, I don't – it's not so much Nestor Cortez. It's uh, 85% Michael Waka because I don't think that's – good enough to beat the Yankees. I think they'll catch up to him. Um, They'll sit on some pitches. I think that would really do some damage there. And on the flip side, if, if it's not Waka, I don't like the odds of a bullpen game uh, when you're matched up against Cortez as good as he's been this year. I feel the opposite really. I, I think I would feel better with a, with a Davis Crawford combination. I just don't like the way walk is trending right now. I I don't know if it's a, well, it is a fatigue thing. Cause that's why he's out, but this is just a very dicey situation to come back in. I would feel a little bit better if he's, um, you know, facing a different team. Another thing of note before we get on to game three here, the Yankees last I checked had the second best bullpen in MLB. So getting Garrett Cole out of the game in game one or Nestor Cortez out of the game in game two might not necessarily be a good thing. And they're only getting better. They brought a couple of guys back uh, of late. Aroldis Chapman has slotted into the eighth inning. So you're absolutely right, Terry. That's a very deep team on the pitching side of things. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, let's see. Game. Game. Oh, is this a four-game set? It is a four-game set. I'm just realizing that now. So we've, we're have we facing, uh, let's see, Jordan Montgomery in game three. Do we have a starter for that game? We do not yet. We do not. Nope. So who would pitch that game then? Where are we at? That would likely be Sale or Bayo. No, that's too way. Oh no, sorry, yeah. no, sorry. I'm, think... I'm thinking. I'm a week ahead. Yeah. Um, that would be. That's uh, just in a... that case. Wow, we're we're not looking a good. bullpen day. Absolutely a bullpen day because we don't have a a starter ready to come up and go. 
two bullpen days in the in the Yankee series. Oh God! He's, Unless he's, you put Pavetta on short rest. No, he's he's going on Sunday on the ESPN game. Um, that's going to be against Jamison Tyon, which is a pretty tough matchup. This is a this series, man. We are not positioned well for this. You kind of have to hope that Michael Walker can go. That way, you only have one bullpen game. But like I said, I just I don't like I don't like Michael Walker coming into this. If Walker's healthy, I still don't like him to win that game. Exactly. I don't but like it either. I really don't like it if you have to throw Austin Davis. And Cutter Crawford in one in one of these games, and in the second game, you have to go with some combination of maybe Tanner Houck gets a start here. I don't. I don't think Cora would deviate from the. I mean, I, at a certain point, I, I don't think so either. But you have to find somebody to give you four innings. So I think that might be that makes the most sense to me anyway. That being said, Terry, it's getting harder and harder to predict with all these injuries what's going to happen in the next series as we do these series previews. Do we have another AAA starter that can come up that's viable or no? I mean, Connor Siebold could. Oh, I bet that's probably what will happen. I would be shocked. Yeah. That's a viable option. Starting to look a little more confident and stuff ticking up a little bit. I mean – you know, hard ask for him, but just don't ask for him to try to do too much. That's what would probably happen, I bet. So he he would go. When is he last pitched? Do we know this, or was that at I Fenway? Think he, I think he pitched last at Fenway. Okay, so he would be on track then. To yeah, he would have to because he pitched what Sunday? What's today? Wednesday? Yeah. So he hasn't. He shouldn't have pitched anywhere. Yeah, his if he was going to start in Worcester, that would be tomorrow. Would be the fifth day, so Thursday would be the fifth day, I should say, for the listening audience. So, all right, so this series is a mess right now. So, I mean, just based on feel, I guess, Andrew, how many how many games are you picking here? I think one, two, if they get lucky. Yeah, uh, split would be perfect, honestly. I would take a split. I think they're going to split. Uh, I know I said I'm not comfortable in games one. I'm not comfortable in game two. If Saturday is a Seabold Hauk day where you maybe throw one other pitcher in there, I'm okay with it. Maybe if it's John Schreiber, you just go those three guys, try to get through the game. I think you could win that game. And I'm going to take Nick Pavetta against Jordan Montgomery. I think Montgomery absolutely stinks. Um, so really? I'd be okay with that. Or maybe tie on depending on how they line up. I don't know how the Yankees plan on lining it up, but I also don't like tie on. I think the Red Sox could hit him pretty hard. Well, let's see. Yeah, I guess Montgomery has got tuned up. His ERA isn't that bad. He's like a 318 or something like that. 319 ERA, but he did get tuned up, uh, against Oakland of all teams gave up five runs against them. Four runs against Tampa Bay. That was three starts ago. Uh, he is well, com- I get- coming off of a good uh, Indian start. But he is a lefty, though. So just. And he pitches well, typically, against the Red Sox. 
He does, though he walks a lot of hitters uh, of late, and and that doesn't necessarily concern me if he's walking guys. I think will bring home runners home. Last start against Cleveland, he had eight strikeouts, which concerns me. But again, he got tuned up against Oakland, and three starts ago against Tampa, he walked two, but only struck out two, gave up nine hits. He just didn't give up the runs because Clay Holmes and company came in with that best bullpen, Terry, like you mentioned, and they shut it down. Right. Yeah. All right. And uh, I guess just to wrap it up, uh, I'm, I'm going to just take one out of the four. Unfortunately, uh, I would be pleasantly surprised uh, with a split. I would gladly take that. That would end the losing streak anyway. So, um, we got to tread water for this month of July and hopefully bloom will surprise us with some type of, uh, acquisition, um, you know, towards the August 2nd deadline. So we will be back tomorrow for deep dive. So be on the lookout for that episode. Everyone have a good Thursday. Take care.